Hello, my darlings. Bonjour, mes beautés. Rebonjour. Rebonjour. Technically, we only say it when we are saying hello to someone for the second time in the same day. But I definitely feel like I want to say, at least in English, a hello again to all of you. It feels so wonderful to be back in conversation with you. I hope that you're all healthy. I hope that the people that you love are healthy. I hope that you're staying inspired. I hope that you are uh, leaning towards the positive side of things during this long, what I'm calling an incubation period that 2020 is turning out to be. And when I say leaning towards the positive side of things, I don't mean that in, I don't in any way mean, uh, you know, that uh, you're denying what's going on around you. I just mean uh, that I, I don't want anyone to lose sight of their, their inner strength and of their long-term dreams during this very complex moment in time. Merci d'être là. Thank you for being here with me. I was so touched by, I have been so touched by all the messages that I've received asking when the podcast was coming back. It meant so much to me. I really had no idea how much this podcast had become part of the the quotidien, the daily life of so many of you. Thank you so much for reaching out to me and telling me. And I'm very, very much looking forward to sharing with you the, the topics that I have in mind for you. I think that many of you no, but in case you don't know, since I was last on the podcast, so since since March, so basically, I think the last time I uploaded an episode was uh, just before or, or around the time that uh, we had gone into our first round of confinement in Paris. Never did I think that here I'd be talking about the second round of confinement, Um but uh, that's one of the interesting things about le possible, about, you know, what's about the possible. There's, there are always things that are possible that are beyond our, beyond the, the first field of our consciousness. I'm actually, one of my seminars at the Sorbonne this, this semester is about le possible, so I'm very much connected to that topic right now. Um, but anyway, so that was the last time that I uploaded an episode and then uh, confinement happened, and um, I was really focused on, I was really active uh, doing a lot of Instagram lives and really focused on completing my semester at the Sorbonne, get, you know, successfully, or what successfully meant to me, and, and also, you know, just doing a lot of, um, a lot of, reflecting that first confinement was really different than the second one that first confinement uh really carried the unknown with it so um you know personally there was a lot more fear with that first confinement than i felt with the second one um which is now easing here at paris 
Thank you so much to all of you who were sort of traveling with me through France this summer via Instagram. I decided not to go to the States this summer as planned. Uh, I could have. It was just a personal choice. I didn't feel comfortable going with such a long trip. Um, and with less flights available, I would have gone through many international airports. And I just didn't feel comfortable making uh, such a trip to visit my family. My, my parents are older. So I stayed here and I absolutely made the most of being in France. And it was really fun to have so many of you there along with me. And at some point, one of you said to me, I feel like the Paris Lessons podcast is a person that I miss. And I had been dreaming up something. I had been feeling something new surface in in me, in my, in my you know, reflection as I was thinking this summer about more projects. I'm always thinking about, you know, I'm always thinking about what can I create, but I'm also always paying a lot of attention to, uh, you know, what's sort of surfacing in my thoughts and what new things are, are really igniting my passion. And so it was at that same magical moment that I had thought up a new, a new membership and I was looking for the name and I thought, that's the name. It's the Paris Lessons Membership because it's all about what I've been talking about on the podcast. So if you would like to learn more about it, just go to frenchisbeautiful.com forward slash the Paris Lessons. And what I would like to share with you today is actually a little bit of the lesson from Novembre, November. I launched the Paris Lessons in September. So we're already going into our first, our fourth month. In September, we talked a lot about the imagination because my heart was really just being so pulled by. I could feel how many of you who are listening who don't live in France were really missing Paris. So I wanted to use what I've learned about how the imagination is revered and discussed in philosophy to really help you, um, you know, really celebrate and hold on to the Paris that's in your imagination. And one of the things that I wrote in that lesson is that, you know, the only thing that makes the Paris in your imagination less real than Paris the city is that that Paris in your imagination is yours forever. And that's one of the beautiful things about imagination is that when things happen in our, in our mind's eye, in our imagination, they're not subject to time. Whereas everything else we go through in life is always subject to time. And then in October, we talked about, we talked about uh, this notion of, I took the, I took the notion of the, the je ne sais quoi a bit further. So instead of just talking about the je ne sais quoi, I actually flipped it around a bit, if you will, and hopefully guided you or guided my students to understand that actually without having that je ne sais quoi, that inner mystère or, or mystery, you can never really be free to evolve and become throughout time, to really connect with your soul, to really be you, to really move towards the things that are calling you in real time. 
So that je ne sais quoi can't exist without that inner mystery. And that inner mystery can't exist if you're constantly trying to label yourself or figure yourself out. Or especially if you you feel like you figured yourself out and then you want to stick to that version of you, the figured out, so to speak, version of you. And then this month in November, we talked about le perfectionnisme, perfectionism, which is a topic that's very close to my heart. Most of my students know that I call myself a recovering perfectionist because I feel like perfectionist tendencies, they, they rarely just go away on their own. They're always sort of there lurking. Anytime there's something around that has to do with, you know, positive or negative judgment, but certainly with positive judgment, with, with celebration, with with approval. And one of the things that I've noticed in French culture is that perfectionism, you know, at least the perfectionism I'm talking about, the real Anglophone, particularly American perfectionism of, you know, trying to be the best does not exist here. What exists here is a striving for excellence, but not a paralyzing attachment to perfectionism. And this lesson had a bit of a twist to it because I figured if I couldn't help people to, to, you know, logically understand how perfectionism is harmful for them, then I could, you know, really speak to a perfectionist where, where they're most sensitive. I've noticed that a lot of perfectionists, myself included, are, you know, really seeking approval and they're generally people that are very very kind well the reality is is that being a perfectionist is quite egotistical and it's sort of inflating your it's inflating your really the amount of attention that you think other people are paying to you and perfectionism and humility cannot coexist and humility is is a really big valeur or value in French culture. And I think when it comes to, you know, what I'll call our work, but, you know, work could be what you do for, for a living. It could be, which could be anything. You could be an artist. You could be a teacher. You could be, you could work in finance, whether it comes to that kind of work or just our, you know, the work that we do for pleasure when we're not being paid or even, you know, the way that we communicate. So now I'm expanding the definition of work to, to mean more just like what we produce. We produce words. We put words out into the world. So the way we communicate, what happens is perfectionism really, really just obliterates our sincerity. And I think that that's the most tragic part about perfectionism is it takes any sincerity, any authenticity about whatever it is we're putting out into the world because we have this um, fear or expectation of other people's either negative judgment of us or celebration of us looming, looming over or hovering next to us as we're creating which means we're not really creating in the moment or we're not really speaking from the heart. 
that's also aside from, I already mentioned it earlier, but just the fact that perfectionism can, you know, really just keep us, forget doing things with sincerity, but doing things at all at times. One of the other aspects of le perfectionisme, perfectionism, that is very anxiety-inducing, and many philosophers have literally talked about le possible, the possible, as l'angoisse, anxiety. It's this idea that, you know, there's one perfect version, and if you're someone who's sensitive to le possible, to, to what's possible, and I'm, I actually read a really fascinating book called L'Homme Sans Qualité for one of my courses earlier this semester that was very much about, you know, someone who's more sensitive to the possible than most people. If you're someone who's more sensitive to life's possibilities, then you might also be someone who suffers from perfectionism because you could easily have a hard time finishing projects if you're trying to figure out which possibility would be the most perfect one. Or if you're trying to think about all of the possibilities that will that might be possible based on a certain decision you might make in your work, in your communication, really in anything, in anything we make or in anything that we do. I think that this idea of being sensitive to le possible can really serve us when it comes to to being more in the moment because when we are in that sort of mood or that state when we are letting our mind really not wander, but really run free, if you will, and think about or be present to le possible. We can only really do that if we're really, really anchored in the here and now. So I think that the sensitivity to le possible can really be a wonderful way for you to be anchored in your exact present moment. But as I said earlier, it can also be something that you know, can, can make you feel anxious. And c'est normal. That's normal, right? If you really, you know, as, as, as we've seen this year, and as I said earlier in this, in this episode, you know, this year we've really had the experience of being reminded again and again and again that things are possible that are beyond our field of of consciousness. So if the French don't have the same relationship to perfection that we have in American culture, if they instead reach for for excellence, then why is it when we come to Paris, when we're admiring the architecture, when we're loving French fashion, when we're enjoying French dishes, when we're reading French literature, why is it that we seem as Americans or as Anglophones to interpret that level of beauty, that level of quality as perfection. 
it's not that things are perfect. It's not that people are striving for perfection in French culture. They're striving for high excellence. And the difference is, is that perfection is one version, one point on a map, one destination. And excellence is like a shelf, but that's up really, really high. And there are room for lots of versions of things and lots of different things up on that shelf. But how do they consistently get there? They get there through form. They get there through process. They get there through planning. A great example is Hausmannian architecture. It's all the same, but it doesn't bore us because it's beautiful and we take comfort in the fact that it's all the same. Aesthetically, it's easy for us to process. French cooking, it's very complicated. One of the reasons that it's consistently so excellent is because there are so many traditions, there are so many ways to do things and ways not to do things. Compared to Italian cooking, Italian cooking is a breath of fresh air if you're someone who you know, is, is not really detail oriented or doesn't have, you know, a lot of sensitivity to time, for example, when it comes to French dishes, French fashion. You've heard me talk a lot about the French capsule wardrobe. It is rather neutral. It's easy to identify. It's easy to replicate. We take comfort in that. We take comfort in its predictability and in its form. And the French are really wonderful about planning and about honoring time. If you've taken my French well-being course or my French confidence course, you've, ta- you've heard me talk a lot about time as a fifth element. You've heard me talk a lot about being bien organisé, being well organized. If you're someone who is a perfectionist, I highly encourage you Instead of focusing on your product, and I'm using the word product here, I don't mean an actual product. It could be a product for you if you have a job where you make products that you sell, but what you're producing. So, you know, it could be a conversation you want to have with someone. It could be, you know, maybe you're a student listening to this and, and it's a paper you have to write or, you know, maybe... You're a mom listening to this, and it's, it's a project that you want to make for your children or with your children, anything that you're creating. If you are someone who has perfectionist tendencies and you're you know, really afraid of putting what you do, what you make out there in the world, I really invite you to give yourself a break and to give yourself a fighting chance. Because I know that if you're a perfectionist, you're, you have a heart of gold, you're sensitive, and you hold yourself to incredibly high standards. So whatever you do, I'm sure it's amazing. But if you live in that torturous tunnel of perfectionism, which is so painful, I know what that's like, um, chances are you're spending a lot of time thinking about the outcome of whatever it is you're making and, and less time thinking about doing it, and more importantly, less time enjoying doing it. So I'll, I'll give an example that um, it's a pretty obvious example coming from me, but it's something that I think about a lot with my work, the example of someone learning a language. I have worked with so many people who, uh, you know, really 
you know, learning a language is so, a specific language is so important to them and they become, because they're perfectionists and I'm not criticizing them because I'm a recovering perfectionist, learning French, learning to speak French fluidly was one of the best things that ever happened for my perfectionism because you, as I said earlier, perfectionism and humility cannot coexist. You cannot get through you cannot get across the finish line to speaking in a new language fluidly if you are not humble, meaning if you are not willing to make mistakes and able to just laugh it off every time. You need to be resilient. But I've worked with so many people that, you know, learning this new language is important to them and they quickly become very caught up in this, you know, the, the discomfort of, you know, only being able to speak like a two-year-old or... Um, you know, they're afraid of making mistakes or maybe, or maybe that, you know, they tried to order in a boulangerie and the, the person behind the counter was really impatient with them. By the way, even French people will tell you the boulangerie is like the most stressful place ever when you're doing your shopping. Boulangeries, boulangerie are stressful because they're in a rush. There's a lot of people. Well, a little less people in the boulangerie these days. People are people are queued up outside. But still, you need to know what you want. And also, there are a lot of different types of bread. Again, you know, that excellence through complexity that we love about French culture. I'm digressing. Pardon. Sorry. Um, but what I would say to the person who to whom it's really important to learn a new language, I would say reconcile with the fact that it's important to you. Come to terms with the fact that it's important to you and give yourself a chance to have that wonderful gift of witnessing yourself accomplish something that's important to you. And the way you're going to do that with most anything, but especially with learning a language, is to give it love, meaning to give it time to plan your process. And the French are so wonderful. They're very methodical. I see it with my colleagues. We, we say we say collègue instead of classmates at the Sorbonne. So I know it's confusing sometimes. I say colleagues, but I mean collègue. I don't work at the Sorbonne. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, they're, they're so methodical with their note-taking, with the way they study. And they've been that way since they were young, young students. That's the way that the, it's, you know, it's this, this, this uh, cherishing of the process is really ingrained in them as younger people in school. So that's what I would say to you, to my perfectionists out there. You know, really know that um, perfectionism, we, we laugh it off or we loud it quite a bit in, in American culture, but it's really not funny. And it's really not something to, it's, it's, not, it's not helping you. And I think that it took me to, uh, you know, I had to go through learning French and then I had to live here and be confronted again with my perfectionist tendencies uh, when I started back at the Sorbonne. And, you know, it took a long time for me to understand that uh, 
perfectionism isn't something to be admired and it's something that is not constructive. You know, I used to sort of say before when I was younger, I'm a perfectionist, I'm a perfectionist. And I think I somehow tied my perfectionism. I felt I was afraid that I would not be able to have as high of standards for myself if I wasn't a quote unquote perfectionist. But actually, having high standards, striving for excellence, has very little to do with being a perfectionist. So hopefully I've, hopefully I've just uh, broken that down for you in such a way that you are ready to let go of your perfectionism and ready to step into some really deep creative power and possibilities. And whatever it is you're doing, as I said, whether it's a project or your work or, or communication, no one's perfect. And, you know, to have a more philosophical spin on it, what is perfection? Perfection is, is as difficult to describe as beauty or as truth, which people literally have been debating for centuries. <laughs> Donc, voilà, mes chers amis. So there you have it, my dear friends. That's a little bit of a peek into what the Paris Lessons membership is like. You can learn more about it at frenchisbeautiful.com forward slash the Paris Lessons. I will be back next week. And I am finally going to share my thoughts on Emily in Paris, which is Quite funny because I've just taken things from a more serious philosophical topic to, to something very light. But I do have, I actually have some comments that I'm very, very much looking forward to sharing with you because there are a lot of things that we can learn from that show, both as a community. We can learn a lot about um, the things that fascinate us. We can also learn a lot about, obviously, culture, but um, perhaps more importantly, we can really learn about sculpting our dreams. That's what I'll say. Je vous embrasse très très fort. I send you a big, big kiss. Et je vous souhaite une Très belle semaine. Oh, I'm so happy to be back with you. I'll talk to you all next week. Ciao.